Amen. Thank you, JT, and musicians, singers, beautiful singing. Turn with me in your Bibles to Ezekiel. In chapter 38, you can see we're back in our study. And uh, Lord willing, we're going to complete that study today in, uh, about Russia and the war of Armageddon. And the main part of the message today is going gonna, is gonna to speak of 20 stages of this war. And I know people like to take notes, so I printed, I printed uh, this front and back, and it's got those 20 uh, stages of the war of Armageddon. So you can pick one of these up, and you don't have to try to write everything down quite so fast. Uh, uh, if you would like one of those, they'll be out there for you. Well, Ezekiel chapter 38, we kind of made a circle. We're back to where we started. If you, I think it was um, February the 28th, about two months ago. We started right here in chapter 38, and uh, we come make a full circle and come back to it. Um, the purpose of this study was not to give an overview of all of prophecy, but really just um, an overview of the war of Armageddon and how Russia plays a part in that and what part Russia would have. Because on the Thursday before I started this series on Monday, of course, Russia invaded Ukraine. And, um, and so this study came about. So we're, we're looking at the war of Armageddon. Now, I like to know the chronological order of things myself. And these 20 stages are going to give us somewhat of a chronological order. Now, it's hard to be exact about orders because sometimes the scripture overlaps and, uh, and so forth. And uh, it's hard to tell, but best I can understand with the help of many great scholars... Uh, this is, uh, uh, th those, those 20 stages will help you understand, I think, the, the uh, chronological order. Well, with that said, let's read just a few verses here in chapter 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, that's Ezekiel speaking, saying, and this is what God said to him, Son of man, set thy face against Gog and the land of Magog and the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And prophesy against him. Uh, Gog is the leader of Magog. Magog means the land of Gog. And, and uh, you may remember when we first started studying this, I quoted to you people, uh, scholars and historians from the time of Christ, before Christ, and through the years, in the last 2,000 years, describing uh, the ancestors uh, that uh, are described here as Russia. And Gog is the leader of Russia today. Um, Putin, of course, is, is Gog. If they were to move on Israel and this war was to start, uh, Putin would be Gog. Meshach and Tubal are ancient names for Moscow and Tobolsk, which is two big, big cities, great cities in uh, Russia. And then you jump down to verse 5. Here's some other participants in this war of Armageddon, Persia. Uh, Persia is uh, Iran today, and at its heyday, Persia included not only Iran, but Iraq and most of Afghanistan. And so Persia, 
and Ethiopia and Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet. That is, all of them decked out for war. And, uh, and Gomer and all of his bands and the house of uh, Togorma. Togorma is eastern uh, Turkey and uh, Gomer is western Turkey. And so these two nations at that time make up what is, what is Turkey today. Gomer and all of his bands and the, and the house of uh, Togorma. Uh, and then of the north quarters and all the bands and many people with them. By the way, the word north is used three times and uh, the New King James translates it far north. And Zodiates, the great scholar, translates it to the far ends of the north. The Amplified puts to the uttermost parts of the north. And if you go out through our big old uh, map out in the hallway, if you look at Israel and you go right up the map north, you, you come right to uh, Russia, far north. And then... Three times in this passage as well, it speaks of Russia coming against Israel when they're dwelling in safety. That's important. It's repeated three times. It gives us uh, some information about when this begins. Then look at verse 20. Now turn, turn to verse 20 and let's look at the end of this chapter as well. So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven and the beast of the field and all creeping things that creepeth upon the earth and all men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. There's going to be a great shaking of everything living and great shaking of cities and mountains. And the mountains shall be thrown down and steep places shall fall and every wall shall fall to the ground. There's going to be a great earthquake that shakes the earth in the last days. And I will call for a sword against him... Throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord, uh, saith the Lord God, every man's sword shall be against his brother. So as this war comes to a head, the armies are going to be confused and they're going to turn their swords against each other. And he says, and I will plead against him with pestilence. Him, again, is Gog and... Uh, and with blood, and will rain upon him, and upon his bands, and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain. You say, well, what damage could rain do? Well, it could cause mudslides and make moving big equipment extremely difficult. And, uh, and then it says, and great hailstones. A parallel passage in Revelation 16 tells us those stones weigh a talent, which is about 100 pounds. Can you imagine that? And fire and brimstone falling from heaven. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. One more verse in verse, chapter 39. Look at verse 4. Thou shalt fall. Again, he's prophesying to God. Thou Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands. Bands means armies, all your armies. And uh, the people that is with thee, and I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and of the beast of the field. 
to be devoured. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word and that you can tell things that are going to happen thousands of years before they happen. And then they happen exactly like you say. Give us ears to hear now and eyes to see. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. A month ago, Russia invaded Ukraine. An unprovoked invasion. Russia will do the same thing against Israel as it was described for us here in chapter 38. We don't know for when, uh, when that's going to happen, and I'm not predicting any dates. I'm just saying I think we see the stage being set for, uh, for what's going to happen in the end days. That first week, just four days after, or three days, uh, after the in invasion, I told you that the official record was 198 civilians dead and about 1,000 wounded. 2,500 had already left the country and were refugees. Now that two months are over, the official record for the, and the UN keeps the official record, is that civilians, now these are not soldiers, warriors, civilians, 2,345 died, 3,000 wounded, but the UN always says when they give out that report, the real number may be considerably higher. Ukraine's numbers are considerably higher. Ukraine would estimate 15,000 civilians have been, have been killed during this war. I don't know if you saw the article this past week, but I saw it on three different news channels showing satellite photos of mass graves in Mariupol. And uh, they estimate 9,000 people are buried just in these graves, just in this mass graves. And the UN only has 2,300 as the official count. So you, we know the count is much, much higher. Uh, the officials say that 9,000 civilians were slaughtered in the city and buried in these mass graves. And the mayor said the bodies of the dead were being brought by truckloads and, actu and actually and simply being dumped into mounds. And so we know that death count is much, much higher. As I said, Ukraine's numbers would be closer to 15,000. Then I've got an article in front of me, too, about the atrocities. The uh, uh, people are being killed in their apartments, in their houses, blown up. Civilians were crushed by tanks while they were sitting in their cars in the middle of the road. These victims include innocent men and women, children, and some were tied up and tortured and shot at close range. And one man describes them gathering a whole group of men and shooting them on the spot ABC News recording this. The man telling the story was 53 years old, and they, and they killed everybody below the age of 50. And 
U.S. Secretary of State Blinken said, and I quote, what we've seen in uh, Bucha is not the random act of a rogue, rogue unit. It is a deliberate campaign to kill, torture, and rape to commit atrocities. End of quote. Wow. Can you imagine if you had Russian tanks coming down the street of your neighborhood? And then one other thought, the ripples. I, I've come across an interesting article, the ripples of this Ukrainian invasion. Ukraine supplied a lot of wheat and grain for other nations of the world, particularly the Middle East and Africa. Lebanon, for instance, receives all of their wheat and grain 87% from Ukraine. And now Ukraine cannot produce any of this. And so now America and other nations are scrambling, trying to figure out a way to keep people from starving to death in the Middle East and Africa, third world countries. So that's the ripple effect that uh, is taking place. And so as we've done, every time I've spoken on this subject, we had a special prayer for the people of Ukraine. I want to do that again. Pray with me, please. Father, we can only imagine the heartbreak, the tragedy, the fear, that is taking place in Ukraine. We pray again for your protection for the innocent. And we pray again for our presidents and other world leaders that they would find a way to bring a peaceful end to this terrible war. We lay it at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The, um, look, at your, I, look at your screen, I want to show you the map one more time. Now the map is not on this because I've shown the map several times and it's been printed out in other handouts and so you, you may have to find it again if you want to look at it or, or uh, if you wanted I could run you off one. All of the prophecy revolves around one little nation the nation of Israel, a nation that God's heart is upon, the apple of his eye, Israel. And it's where that star is up there, that blue star. Now that dark blue, uh, maybe the star is black, but that, and then the dark blue is the landmass of Ukraine where the war is going on. But everything revolves around Israel and prophecy. And Israel was not a nation... In, our, in, in recent time until 1948 when it was brought back together God brought them from every nations around the world and brought them into their homeland again and they became a nation in May of 1948 none of these prophecies could take place until that happened so the prophecies we're, we're seeing the stage being set for really started in that 1948, 74 years ago. So, Israel in the center of things. Now, you remember there are 
there are really four alliances that we've looked at. Let me just give you those quickly. You've seen this map before I, that I've put together for you. There's Russia and Turkey and Iran. They make up the northern alliance. And then you have Libya, Egypt, and the Sudan. They make up the uh, southern alliance. And now all of these are mentioned in chapter 38. And, uh, and then you have the uh, uh, Eastern Alliance made up of China, North Korea, and India. Now, those countries are not named. Those countries are just called the countries of the East. Literally, it, in, the, in the New Testament, in the Greek, the word means from the rising of the sun, which, of course, rises in the East. And these are the three great military powers that are east of Israel. And uh, we're told in Daniel chapter 11, and again in Revelation 16, that the east is going to come against Israel. This would be the east. And then you have the uh, European nations. There's 44 countries in Europe, and 28 of them are a part of the European Union. And... Uh, this part one day will be led by the Antichrist. And uh, I'm going to put a little X right, right there. This is the Western Alliance. I'm going to put a little X right there, a little red X. That's Rome. And that may be, probably will be the center to start with of the Antichrist kingdom. Uh, so uh, we see this map and these things starting to come about. Now, I want you to look at these three world leaders. On the left, you have the leader of Iran, or Persia we just read about, ancient Persia. In the middle, you have the leader of Hungary, and uh, that is uh, Tagorma and Gomer, uh, as we read about a few moments ago. And then you have the leader of the far north, which is Gog and Magog. This is Putin. So you have, in our day, now this is what I want you to think about. The stage is being set. In our day, three countries that God said would come together, and he said it 2,600 years ago. 2,600 years ago, God said these three countries would come together in the end time and form a bond, and they've done that in our lifetime. And here's a picture of them, the three of them right here. Again, I remind you, here's the three given to us in Ezekiel 38, Russia, Turkey, Iran, and there's the three leaders holding hands and laughing together. The stage is being set. Amen? Now... It says in Daniel 11, now this is, the he here is the Antichrist. We know that from the text, and if you look at the whole text, it's interesting. We've gone over this verse by verse in our study. But news from the east and the north shall trouble him. The him is the Antichrist. Therefore he shall go out with great fury to destroy and to annihilate Many. Now, the kingdom of the north is, of course, at this point in time, is Putin. And Mr. Xi is the leader of 
China. And here we have a picture of the two of them shaking hands. Russia and China have been enemies and in conflict off and on for 2,000 years and more. But just 10 years ago, God putting the stage together, just 10 years ago they became friends. And they began to have military operations, training operations together. The two, two of the biggest armies in the world training together. Russia and China. And as I've told you before, in 2019, Mr. Xi said Putin was his, quote, best friend. Wow, they've been enemies for 2,000 years. The nations, now they are best friends. The stage is being set, isn't it? I mean, all of these armies coming together, that couldn't have happened before Israel. And now this, this major, major part of the battle couldn't have happened until 10 years ago. But now it could because, again, the stage is being set. Now I want to go to these stages, the 20 stages. And as I have told you several times, I believe the war will last a whole three and a half years. It will begin at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, or just before it, when Israel is at peace. Israel will sign a peace treaty with the Antichrist. And at that time, the Antichrist will just be a world leader, a great world leader who makes great speeches and, and moves crowds with his oratory skills and so forth. And uh, he will make a seven-year contract with Israel to protect them. So for the first three and a half years, they'll be protected. And in our text, chapter 38... Uh, three different times it says the attack from the north will take place while Israel is dwelling in safety. The only time they'll be dwelling in safety is the first three and a half years of the tribulation because they're being uh, a big brother Antichrist and his uh, revived Roman Empire. By the way, I don't think I mentioned that term about the Western Alliance, but that Western Alliance on your map where I showed you Rome, that's the revived Roman Empire. Uh, and uh, Antichrist leading that, he'll make this treaty with Israel. Now we know that the wording that we just read in chapter 38 is similar and in some cases exactly like uh, chapter 16 and chapter 19 of Revelation, which is when Jesus is coming back. So we know the northern Russia has something to do with the beginning when they're in safety and something to do with the end three and a half years later. So this war is going to take place over three and a half years and it will take the lives of 1.7 billion. That's a quarter of the world's population after the rapture takes place. Eight billion now, and we've gone over these figures. And If a billion people are raptured up, then you've got uh, seven billion left. A quarter of that is that is that uh, 1.7 billion there. Revelation 6, 8 tells us a quarter of the world is going to die from war and, and famine and, and all other means. So this is going to be a horrendous war. Now before this war starts though, I want to remind you, believers are going to be caught up in the rapture of the church. We're not going to go through this. Paul makes it clear, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Paul makes it clear 
that you and I are not appointed to wrath and we're not going to go through wrath because this is God pouring out his wrath on mankind. Before this ever happens, you and I be caught up in the twinkling of an eye. And then, sometime after that, the Antichrist will sign a peace treaty with Israel. <coughs> Excuse me. Do I think that Putin is Gog? I think he could be. Or maybe it'll be the leader coming after Putin. Or maybe the leader coming after that. I don't know. What about the Antichrist? I'm asked often, do you think he's in the world today? I think he is. I think he's alive and in the world today. Maybe a child or a teenager. He may already have a position, a political position somewhere in Europe. Uh, but he won't be revealed until after the rapture takes place, according to 2 Thessalonians. So, these things take place. The rapture, the signing of the seven-year contract, and then these stages begin like this. And I'm going to run through those rather quickly because we've covered most of this in detail in the past, and I'm just putting it all together today. Russia and the Northern Alliance comes against Israel while they are at peace. That's what you saw on the map, those, those three major uh, countries and some other countries as well, it says, that are unnamed. They come against Israel while they're at peace, while they're under the protection of the Antichrist. So then the Antichrist and the Western Alliance, which is the revived Roman Empire, <clears throat> they come and protect Israel. And at least for this time, they push back the attack of Russia and seem to be victorious. And during this time, the Antichrist receives a deadly wound and lives. <coughs> now, some scholars think, think that he was actually dead and came back to life. Satan is the power behind him, and Satan doesn't really have the power to give life. Only God has the power to give life, amen? So I think he received a deadly wound, and they, everybody thought he was going to die. And, uh, and then he gets up from that deadly wound. Think of, think of it like this. I, I, I really don't have time to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Think about it like this. He receives a wound, maybe in combat, but probably he won't be in combat. He's just leading the thing. Maybe from an assassin's bullet, he receives a wound in his head, a deadly wound. And he's in the hospital, and the whole world's wondering, because at this time, he's the world leader, you know. He's the number one leader in the world. And, uh, and he's in the hospital, and CNN is there, and all the other networks, and, and the surgeon comes out and says, we've done everything we could, but uh, the wound is fatal. He's not going to make it. And everybody mourns. An hour later... The surgeon comes out. I don't understand it. All of a sudden, he opened his eyes and sat up in bed and pulled his, uh, pulled his IVs out, and he's up and walking around and going back to work. And all the world will glory in that. It's, it's, like, <clears throat> it's like a copycat resurrection of Christ. And... Uh, and it will rally the world to him because they see him, begin to see him at this point as a supernatural leader. And then he claims to be God and the new world leader.
the references. And then Jesus even speaks about it in Matthew 24, you see there at the bottom. And so, he claims now to be God. And that's given to us in about four different places in Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament alike. And then the Antichrist breaks his covenant with Israel. Daniel said it would be at the midway point, so we're about three and a half years in. And he breaks his covenant with Israel, conquers them, and moves his headquarters there, according to Daniel. And then the false prophet, the image of the beast, and the number of the beast occur. The false prophet is the right-hand man of the beast. The beast is the Antichrist, the beast. But even the false prophet is called a beast in one section of Revelation, but he's a second beast coming up. And uh, then he's called several times the false prophet. And so the false prophet comes on the scene, and they put an image of the beast the Antichrist in the temple in Jerusalem that would be rebuilt during the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. And, uh, and they make this image. And then because Satan is empowering these men, that image, somehow they make that image come alive. Like a, think of a statue 50 feet tall. And while the new, and when they unveil it, the whole world is watching, and he begins to speak and tell everyone they must follow the beast. What a moment that will be in time in history. And then, of course, the mark. I think the mark of the beast will be a credit card system because you can't buy or sell. You'll have a credit card number on your forehead or on your, on your back of your hand, and you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have it. And on top of that... When they find out you've refused to take it, you'll be executed, put to death. And so it gets worse and worse as it gets through uh, this uh, great tribulation, which is the last three and a half years. Then many Jews and Gentiles come to Christ. Now I put it here because it's spoken of here, but really that revival is going to take place through the whole seven and seven years. The first three and a half years, you remember the, there's 144,000 Jewish evangelists telling people to come to Christ. And then the second uh, half, during the Great Tribulation, there'll be two witnesses who will have supernatural ability to combat the supernatural ability Satan is giving the Antichrist. It'll be a time of miracles, deceiving miracles and genuine miracles, uh, as we've talked about. And then those who reject Christ before the rapture cannot believe. Second Thessalonians makes that very clear. God will send them strong delusion. So don't, don't get in your mind, well, I'll get saved if, all, if I see all this stuff starting to happen. No, if you miss the rapture, you'll believe the Antichrist. You'll believe the lie. That's what God says. Now that's seven. Eight. Egypt and the southern alliance rebel against the Antichrist and his western alliance. In Daniel chapter 11. We've looked at that passage. And then the Antichrist goes to war with Egypt and conquers them. And, uh, and then he conquers the surrounding area. Uh, the war... He continues to war with the southern alliance, including in conquering Libya 
and uh, Ethiopia. And, and then 11, while he is still in Egypt, he then hears of the Eastern Alliance and the Northern Alliance coming against him. Now remember, this is, if it happened today, it would be Putin and Mr. Xi. And they're going to come together from the north and from the east. They're going to come together against Israel and against the Antichrist because now the Antichrist has conquered Israel and it's a part of his kingdom, his western kingdom. And so this is, now we're getting towards the end. And they're coming into Israel, the three and a half years uh, being spanned. By the way, you remember the passage I shared with you where it says ten kings will give their power to the Antichrist for a short period of time. And we've, you know, people have speculated over those ten kings or kingdoms. We don't know. You know, people used to say it was a European Union, but now there's 28 nations in the European Union, so they've already passed the ten. And NATO, of course, is an alliance, a military alliance, but there's 30 of them. And, uh, but there is, there is one alliance, the G7. The U.S. is a part of the G7. Seven countries, some of them in Europe, most of them in Europe. Seven countries, and with the seven great militaries, and together, those seven countries have over 50% of the wealth of the world. Wow. Now, suppose by the time all of this happens, there's, it's not a G7, but it's a G10. Because that's what the 7 stands for. It used to be G8 because China was a part, but they kicked China out. Now it went back to a G7. Maybe by the time all this comes together, three more nations will be a part of the G7. And it'll be a G10. And that's exactly what Revelation 7 says is going to happen. Ten kings will give their power. And his kingdom is going to be unbelievably wealthy. And there you have ten kingdoms. Seven of them, over 50% of the wealth of the world. Well, here they are gathered in Israel. Antichrist responds with great fury, entering the land of Israel with his military machine. The Eastern and Northern Alliance enter Israel as well, with other armies with them. Revelation 16. And then the stage is set for the final battle of the war of Armageddon, which is the battle of Armageddon. By the way, the word Armageddon used only one time in Scripture right here in this reference. But the battle itself is mentioned many times over and over again. It may be called the battle of, uh, of our great God or something along that line. And, uh, and then... The battle covers all of Israel, 200 miles north and south, and centers in the valley of Armageddon. Armageddon means mountain of Megiddo, or valley of Megiddo, which is right next to the mountain. And uh, many battles have been fought there, and the scripture uses different names for this valley. And I listed those for you, the valley of Jezreel, and Estralon, and Jehoshaphat. So it's going to be a 200-mile long this battlefield in Israel. And while the battle rages, God sends a great earthquake, great rain, fire, and huge 
hailstones weighing 70 to 100 pounds. Most scholars lean towards the 100 pounds. Can you imagine hailstones that weigh 100 pounds? I don't know how big they would be. If I had to guess, I'd say, you know, something like that. Hailstones falling. And, uh, and it will devastate the earth and destroy the entire northern alliance. That is Gog and Magog and those that are with him. Now we're getting close. While the earth and the armies of the earth are reeling from the devastation, many repent. And then in the midst of the chaos, heaven opens and Jesus appears in great glory. Wow. Think about it. All this chaos, all the death, all the hatred, all the immorality, all the war. And all of a sudden, God the Son, the King of Kings, appears in heaven. Now, he's coming back to earth. He's going to do it right here. But I don't know how the time limit might be. I mean, I'm just speculating a little bit. What if he appeared, but he didn't come that very moment? Matthew 24 says it'll be the sign of his coming. So maybe he appears, and he waits an hour before he comes. Or maybe he waits... Two hours, or maybe he waits a day. Can you imagine all of these people who have hated God? Remember now, uh, the lost and the saved are polarized in a terrible way. You, you either love the Antichrist and hate God, or you love God and hate the Antichrist. There's no in-between, because people are getting killed for not taking the mark of the beast. So by this point in time, there's no in-between. Everybody's made their decisions. Can you imagine if he appears in great glory, as the Scripture says, in heaven, and all those that have rejected him and spit on him and cursed him, all of them see him in his glory. I can imagine some of those great leaders might look at him and say it was true after all it was true and all the Christ rejectors it was true but they've already sinned away their day of grace their possibility of getting saved so they don't get saved what do they do they decide during this period, maybe an hour, two hours, or a day, two days, I don't know. They decide to rally their forces. They're already in the Middle East. They're rally their forces against the King of Kings. That's the next stage. 19. The armies of the earth, still in Israel, rally together against the King of Glory. Revelation 19, 19. Wow. And then, number 20. The Lord Jesus returns in great glory as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen? Amen. And he destroys the armies with the word of his mouth. Wow. Be sure you're ready. 
Be sure you're ready. You want to go up in the rapture. You don't, you don't want to go through this. You want to be sure you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Jesus talks a lot about peace in his earthly ministry. And he can give you peace. Maybe you're not going to go, if you're saved, you're not going to go through the tribulation, but you may have tribulation in your life, troubles, problems, burdens. He's the giver of peace. He's the Lord of peace. He's the master of peace. Bow with me, please. I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I'm not saved. I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. Would you pray for me? If that's your request, would you slip your hand up right now? Anywhere all over. Preacher, I'm not saved. I've never received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Anyone? I wonder how many would say, Preacher, I'm, I'm so thankful I'm not going through the great tribulation. But I am going through some tribulation now in my life, some troubles, burdens, hardships. And I need God's peace. Pray for me. If that's your prayer request, would you slip your hand up? Yes, God bless you and you. And God bless you and you. Many hands. God bless you, each one. Yes. The Lord knows your heart. He knows the situation. He knows your pain. You may put them down. God bless you. Father, thank you that you're still on the throne and nothing's going to happen except that which you allow and, and none of these things are going to come about except that you have said it is so. You have said it is done and it is going to happen just like you say. And we're going to be caught up and we praise you for that. Everybody sitting here today, we praise you for the rapture that we'll be in heaven when all of these other things are happening. We pray now for those who raise their hands. They need your peace. They need your presence. Draw close to them. May they draw close to you. And may they simply receive from you the peace